everyone, and welcome back to the Overleveled Podcast. This is the third episode in our uh, Dark Road to Kingdom Hearts 4 series, and this is part two of Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. I am joined today uh, by my buddy Dash, as always. Go ahead and say hello, buddy. Hi, howdy. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. How, how are you doing? I know we've, we've just got done playing a whole lot of Kingdom Hearts. How are you feeling about this game right now? Uh, it's the first time I've had to like thoroughly sweat, you know, uh, had some, had some challenging, uh, had a challenging boss fight that really, uh, kicked my butt quite, yeah. quite good. Push, pushed you to the limits, huh? <laughs> yeah. That, uh, I didn't appreciate it at all. I had to, yeah. I cheated a little bit, looked up like a little bit of a, you know, some tactics like strategy. Yeah. Like how to, how to, you know, work around the boss. And that definitely helped because I was yeah. just going in blind. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that's you got to do it, man. Like it's it's nice to it, the accomplishment feels good when you can do it without it, but at some point you just got to say fuck it. <laughs> I'm I'm looking it up. So, no shame here, buddy. <laughs> um, I so- I really did try not to do that, but like on, you know, battle number 7, I was just like, "Oh, I got to I got to do yeah. something." I was like, "I yeah. can't do this all day." Yeah, and we'll definitely get there. We'll talk more about that boss battle. Um, I'm really excited to jump into this episode. We're going to cover a pretty significant portion of the game. If you've been playing along with us uh, since the very beginning, uh, we have played up through the first time that you leave Traverse Town. And in this episode, we are covering everything from whenever you first get into the gummy ship all the way up until you head back to Traverse Town, and then you get the option to explore more worlds. So that's kind of where we sit right now. But before we, I guess, really jump into this, I do want to make some corrections. And if there are if there are things in these episodes that you notice as we are, you know, uploading these episodes, please do not feel like you're overstepping or you're being a nuisance or anything by uh, pointing out maybe something that I can correct in the next episode. I just want to give a a quick little shout out over uh, to the Discord where uh, Michael Spaghetti in the Discord, who is also the host of the Ansem Report podcast, a fantastic Kingdom Hearts podcast. Absolutely go check those guys out. They're they're amazing. Uh, He chimed in in the Discord, and this is in regards to... Uh, our discussion last episode where we are introduced to Leon for the very first time. And I was, yeah, I was telling you about how his name is Squall Leonhart in Final Fantasy VIII. And then I was kind of going on a little tangent about like, you know, I I don't, (laughs) I don't know why they decided to change his name, but he came in with some pretty good correction as far as the development side goes. And he, he says this, he says, Squall is named Leon because Mickey references him in the letter, like as Leon. And Mr. Nomura wanted Squall showing up to be a surprise whenever he does show up. So I, yeah, I totally, that makes sense to me now. I mean, <laughs> I guess I did not find that whenever I was doing research, but that absolutely makes sense. And <laughs> I think after I read that too, I was kind of thinking like, well, well, I now know Namora's reason for changing his name, but what's what's Squall's reason? Why did why did he do it? And thankfully, on the YouTube channel and the YouTube comments, Brad P over on YouTube, he commented saying, "From what I understand, 
Squall changed his name out of shame after being unable to save their homeworld after its destruction. So thank you so much, Brad P., for that. And this is something, this is like, <laughs> this is why I need these little corrections because sometimes even in all of my research that I do for these episodes and just all like the little studying that I do of, you know, just, you know, I don't really have time to like be playing through them all again on my own so I'm, I'm using YouTube videos and gameplay and cutscenes and stuff like that um, there are just some things that I just skip over that are just so blatantly in your face whenever you are playing the game and so what Brad P is referencing is literally the character description of Leon in Jiminy's journal so if you open up Jiminy's journal and you go over to Leon and his character description it says this word for word a swordsman who wields the gunblade. His real name, Squall Leonhart, he escaped to Travers Town when the Heartless raided his homeworld to part with his old self, a man who had been helpless to stop them. He changes his name. So that's like <laughs> very clear. Like if you wanted a reason why he does it, like in the game, there it is. Boom. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to very quickly just shout out some some guys you know who are uh you know given some very helpful feedback and correction this is not something that i i want people to you know think that they can't do i want people to uh if they notice something definitely come in with the corrections i love that stuff it helps me uh you know it helps keep me accountable essentially <laughs> as as host of this show gives but, me fun uh, little information too that yeah I mean, exactly i wouldn't necessarily know <laughs> Yeah. You know, never played Final Fantasy or anything, so like, you know, seeing that I was like I was like, ooh, and I think that spun us off into a discussion when we were on the phone that day too. Yeah, yeah, I know we talked a little bit outside of it, so just wanted to make this clarification up front and clear for those who are uh, listening to the podcast, and maybe you knew, <laughs> maybe you didn't know, but now we all know together, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Keep all the good feedback coming. I love this stuff, and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and and jump right into this. Last time we left off, I know I mentioned this a little bit before, but we we played through uh, the opening dream segment. We played through uh, the Destiny Islands tutorial. We played through Travers Town. Uh, I guess since if you just look back at any of that stuff, do you have any other further thoughts? Just kind of on that first main episode that we did discussing the game. I mean, I think uh, I think I really just didn't understand a lot i think uh, i mentioned some stuff to you outside of this that i really wanted to get into today uh that i just did not realize about the game strategy wise menu you know checking the menus and stuff like that and seeing sure. different characters so like i thought you know i really only got surface level stuff because i was like oh you know i beat the first boss like this was this is cake dude right yeah oh this all i have to do is just walk up and just pretty much punch (laughs) someone really hard yeah Yeah, like oh dude cake don't even need to deal with anything easy and yeah and i got humbled really fast that's that's (laughs) what happened yeah so let's go ahead let's talk about this so the first thing you do, you get inside the U.S. tugboat. Yes. And, you know, I, I tried doing a little bit of, of research on kind of just the development of the gummy ship segment. I'll talk a little bit just kind of how the gameplay here in the gummy ship works um, first, though. So, you know, it's kind of similar if, if you've played Star Fox. Um, 
you know, it's kind of one of these rail games. Uh, you play this little ship, you're just going in a straight line, but you have the options to move left and right and up and down and diagonal and stuff. And basically the whole concept of the gummy ship here is you are flying from one planet to the next planet and you're just basically just avoiding death the whole time. Yeah. You're either dodging projectiles coming at you or, you know, uh, just the like asteroids or whatever, just whatever's going on in space. It's a very interesting kind of like level design, you know, like there's lots of very weird shapes and things going on in space here. What do you, how do you feel about just kind of these gummy ship portions? Uh, I, I enjoyed them to a certain extent until I was like, you know, I was really tired and I was like, I could, I don't care. I go, I, you know, I'm just going to try to fly straight and just like make it through this. But yeah, I enjoy Like when I first got it, I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, this is like, you know, you, like you said, Star Fox, yeah, was really the thing. I was like, oh, I can see. I was like, I was like, do a barrel roll. I was like, is there a button to do a barrel roll? I go, I'll be upset if there's not a button to do a barrel roll. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. That made me want to look into the gummy ship more, and I think we'll get into that maybe. <laughs> Cause maybe, yeah. Maybe, because, God, that is so confusing on its own. But the portion where we get to fly, I have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, so flying the gummy ship, you know, I'm not going to lie, man, um, personal, like, just for me, and I know, I know many other people share the same sentiment, um, but for me, I think the gummy ship is the weakest part of Kingdom Hearts, just as a whole gameplay experience, um, I don't really find a whole lot of enjoyment every it's a it's a little nostalgic for me, like, I remember, you know, doing it all whenever I was younger, but now it's kind of like, Man, I, I I just want to get to these worlds. I just you know, you know you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I get it. It's it you kind of miss the like just kind of fast travel. You know, like fast travel points to just each place. It's just like get me there. You know, yep. just do that. But I guess it is. It's a nice little break that a lot of games also don't have too nowadays. It's like that that calm down period of you just got out of you know a really intense battle and now you just get to just you know point and click and just not really yeah. think about it yeah definitely a change of pace um <laughs> especially since the, the rest of the game is an action rpg this is definitely not an action rpg segment <laughs> um so one thing to note though just about the the gummy ship um in the final mix version of the game so this is not in the original ps2 version this is uh, only what Japan got and what we have in these HD remasters. Uh, there are extra little challenges and missions uh, that give you rewards and things like that. And so you kind of have, you know, little little things to strive for other than just get from point A to point B. So if that's something that maybe from the PS2 era you were really missing, like that's something that people can kind of look forward to now. You know, oh, now I have a little bit more of a reason to fly the gummy ship and maybe try to maybe even build the gummy, gummy ships, you know, to make sure that I get a high score and stuff, which is another part of the gummy ship that I want to know kind of what your brief little experience was like uh, in the customization menu. Uh, it was so confusing. I don't yes. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I tried not to like I said I was trying not to look anything up either. So mm -hmm. like I just was just like, "Oh, like I just need the blueprint and I just need the pieces for that blueprint." I go, that should be easy enough. And then it's like, okay, 
like you know pulled up like something and i'm just like i'm confused already i go i don't know what's happening i don't know how to fix this i don't know how to sorry guys we had a little bit of a a technical t technical t a technical difficulty nope that's what it's (laughs) called now it's a technical t we had a technical t and dash's internet went out for just a second but it's okay (laughs) last last thing i was talking to you about was just kind of the customization and i think you were saying that you thought it was going to be a lot easier yeah i just thought get a piece put a piece in a spot like or like i could add a gun you know what i mean like you could just place it right on the ship it's like boom there you go new gun and it's just like that's not how that works you have to combine stuff like two different kinds of ships and then make it i I don't understand what's going on i i feel like i at least have to give a lot of credit to the developers for making the customize menu. I mean, uh, granted, I have not gone the full extent to like really start from scratch, make a brand new gummy ship or anything like that. But from what I can tell and how confused I always am with that stuff, it just it seems like the developers almost made an entirely brand new game just within kingdom hearts you know like i feel like it's it's very thorough with the customization oh i agree there's i don't think there's a stone that's left unturned if that makes (laughs) any sense like there's just so many things like especially when you first start playing with the gummy ship you know what i mean like you're just picking up pieces you're like what are these for yeah i don't know like it's like some z like like yeah, Blaster Z or something super weird. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know what that's even like. I can't even tell you. Oh, that's part of the engine. Like, I have no clue what that's <laughs> even part of. Like I was saying too, just a minute ago, I was trying to find some development history. Just kind of like I wanted to try to see if I could find some quote or something from the gameplay designer of the gummy ship stuff. But I was really having a, a hard time with yeah. with finding anything new or anything nuanced about the gummy ship stuff from a development standpoint for this first game the only thing that i could find was an interview with tetsuya nomura uh right before the release of kingdom hearts 3 and the questioner asks about gummy ships and stuff and he starts talking about how uh he designed the flying of the gummy ship with a certain symbolism in mind what? And that's pretty much all he said. He never explained what he means. What? He never explained what the symbolism is per se. Yeah. And and I sometimes like maybe I just feel a little dumb like should I just know? <laughs> I played all these games. Should I understand the symbolism of the gummy ship? So, this is my this is my call to theories. If anybody in the you know, Discord or wants to email in or on YouTube or wherever Twitter, if you have any theories of what the symbolism of the gummy ship is in Kingdom Hearts 1, what what is it? What's the symbolism? What are we missing? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't even remotely begin to tell you what we're missing out on because I, yeah. <laughs> I can't, like, it just seems like a normal ship i don't understand i'm very lost (laughs) (laughs) if you have if you have any sort of philosophy on on flying the gummy ship in kingdom hearts one let us know (laughs) that's when you Uh, ascend that's when you fully ascend to like full-on godhood there yes yeah you become sephiroth oh 
fuck off. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a bad guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, also, what are your thoughts just kind of on whenever you are in the gummy ship and mm-hmm. you see the world, like you fly up to the world and it's kind of spinning around? How do you feel about these sort of artistic designs and showing like a world themed on this Disney movie? Uh, I, I like it and it kind of, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. I think I mentioned it before. It was like, I really like theories, like, you know, theory crafting and all that. So like the fact that most of the time these worlds are connected or there's always a theory that all these different, you know, movies are connected in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of like helps boost that, you know, that theory. It's like it's like yeah, they're just, you know, you just need to take a spaceship and you go to, you know, Hercules's, you know, world. Like it's not even a set time period. It's actually just where he lives. It's just yep. a place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the land of Hercules the movie. <laughs> yes. I would go. I yeah, I'd pay money. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me think back to um, Tetsuya Nomura's initial design philosophy that he wanted with Kingdom Hearts where he was thinking of theme parks. And he wanted the game just to be called Kingdom, and it was kind of kind of have this Animal Kingdom uh, vibe to it. I mean, These, that's what they do. I, that's exactly yeah. what Disney is. You go every, every part you go into is supposed to feel like stepping into a whole different place. Yeah. So, I mean, I think yes. that captures it her, like almost perfectly mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think he definitely i think he succeeded in that in that vision still you're flying the gummy ship around and the first world you went to was olympus coliseum correct yes i hate myself so okay. i wanted to just make it real <laughs> difficult right off the bat yeah so we're flying we're flying around we are in the gummy ship we come across the olympus coliseum Yes. You know, there's not there's not a whole lot going on here this first visit around. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy, they arrive just like right outside the Coliseum. And whenever you go inside, you see the man, the myth, the legend, the goat himself. Sephiroth. Sephiroth. <laughs> and he says, I gotta get spruce this place up for the games. Uh, only Dandy DeVito is stronger than Sephiroth. Did you say Dandy DeVito? <laughs> Dandy, Dandy yes. DeVito. Dandy, um, that's his fancy name. All right, so David DeVito is up there on his little <laughs> pedestal, and Sora is, he's, you know, he's talking to him because he's like, hey, go move the fucking uh, stone over there. And Sora's yeah. like, oh, I'm not strong enough, whatever he says. And, and I'm too weak. Yeah, I'm, I'm bitch made. Too weak, and somehow Phil thinks that Sora's voice is Hercules. And and then yes, because they sound so similar. Yeah, they sound just the same, obviously. So uh, they talk for just a little bit about that, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, only heroes can enter the tournament." Because sort of like he's definitely like, "Oh shit!" Like a tournament, like heck yeah, sign me up. And he's like, "No, no, no, you got to be a hero only." Um, then he says that they can become heroes if they complete some challenges. And these challenges are mainly just breaking boxes. <laughs> How did you feel about these like little time challenges where you just break boxes in the Coliseum? 
I got a little too into it. I'm not gonna lie. To okay. <laughs> I was so determined to like find like the best kind of path to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I figured out like other boxes. If you hit them like in a certain way, they'll fly to other boxes. So like, I was really trying to really like get my time down as fast, like get it to as fast as I can make it. Yeah, you're trying to hone and per- perfect your craft in breaking these little barrels. Oh, yeah, because that's, like, you know, that perfectly correlates to fighting monsters and, you know, people with giant swords and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So, as a reward, but also kind of not, uh, Phil says that they're still not heroes, but he uh, bestows upon them the ability to cast thunder. You know, what Phil can do. Yeah, um, and flex tape. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so they... You know, Sora with thunder in hand. Uh, Sora and the gang, they walk outside and they run into Hades, who gives Sora a pass to enter the games. And, quick sidebar. Uh, yeah. Quick sidebar. Do the Is there like a strong spell? Because I feel like lightning tickles people. I don't feel like it does anything compared well, clearly, to like the fireball. It clearly does nothing to Goofy. <laughs> as uh, we, yeah, as that's we've seen true. In the beginning of the game. Yeah, I just using the different like you know spells and stuff. It's just like I use lightning, thinking it was going to be like, oh, this is big AOE attack that like sure. you know will definitely help out, and it just like feels like I you know hit him in the big toe mm-hmm. with like you know <laughs> yeah like a taser. So yeah, so let's talk about this for just a second. Just a little sidetrack, stepping away from just Olympus as a whole. Let's talk about just kind of that command menu on the bottom left hand corner of the screen um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember it because I'm just kind of basing it off of uh, memory right now. oh sorry here it is it's uh you got the first attack the first one option is attack uh, yeah the second option is magic yep the and third option is items and then as we kind of get to the end of our discussion today we will see that that last little bottom uh, for, for a while in the beginning of, of the game, it's just like a question mark, uh, but then it turns into summon. Mm-hmm. So what is your kind of, what is your overall opinion on this sort of, like, it's kind of a wheel, it's kind of just like a little menu that stays there at the bottom that you can navigate yeah. using the up and down buttons, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely a little weird, because I'm more used to, uh, what is, I don't know what the actual term is called, but like the not the scroll wheel, but it's like like a weapon, you know, wheel like of some it, sort. Yeah, like a weapon wheel, like you, you know, GTA. You can kind of do it really quick. Sure. Um, it's very weird because like I'll forget. There's a lot of times where I do have like my spells to a hot to like a hot button kind of or okay, whatever the hot good. button. That's menu. That's is. really important to hear for a lot of uh, a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans that you have figured <laughs> that out this early. Yeah, I I was like I was like because it really needs to. It's very confusing because you'll forget if you mm-hmm. try to scroll down. Like I'll do it all the time with items. Like I'll accidentally stay in the item menu, and I'll go for an attack and I open up the like trying to use an item. I'm like that's not what I meant to do because I meant to just go back. Or at least I wish that the system was if you went down and press x and use said item it would then automatically put you back to attack like back at the top you know what i mean mm, yeah 
Yeah, this is very interesting because you know this this command menu is taken straight out of Final Fantasy games. Um, the only real difference here is in Final Fantasy games before this, you don't really like you're. You can't move around while you're in the command menu. You are stationary yeah. and you have time to look at that command menu and meticulously go through all of your magic spells and go through all of your items and through all of your summons. And if you want to defend or if you want to run away, like all of the combat, everything is just takes place here in this command menu. And now in Kingdom Hearts, they're throwing it in there that you can just use as you are running around attacking enemies and stuff. And I remember for a long time, I was very confused, like why they would make the attack button X, you know, just like the main button normally in, in an action adventure game or something, that would be the jump button. Really? What, that's total opposite in my brain. Like it makes so much sense for X to be there. I'm used to X being like circle. Uh, okay. Well, no, I don't no, know why. Or uh, I guess, Wait, I'm trying. I'm trying. So basically, what I would just use that bottom button, you know, like the A button yeah. right there, or the X button. Usually in games, like that would be like the jump button. Yeah. Know? No, I know. I know what you. I know okay. what you're saying. Like, yeah, it would be jump, but like for some reason in my brain, like yeah, having X to attacks makes sense, and usually circle is like jump. I'm very weird. I don't okay. understand. <laughs> but like, that's yeah, I'm, just gonna, how... I'm gonna have to play those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just change your controller scheme if you can customize yeah. it. That's what I do. So, I, but you, for me, that was a very foreign thing for me. And so, coming into this game, you know, and instead of you know square being the attack button or something, you were using X. And instead of jumping with X, you're attacking. And um, that X button is essentially just the confirmation button to whatever the command like the command menu icon, like whatever it's sitting at, the X button is just the the confirm button. So if you're just confirming attack the entire time, then that's what you're doing. But if you move it down one and you just start spamming the X button on magic or on items, you're, you're going to start using items and potions and stuff and, and using fire or blizzard or whatever. So yeah. now that I look at this now, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes total sense to me. <laughs> um, I think it's a smart way of doing it and... You know, as I've grown older and played these games, I I don't think I would have it any other way. I think this is a a very interesting uh, type of type of combat wheel, if you will. Um, but also, just kind of what how you were talking about with magic and stuff, and you know, the more powerful kinds of magic, you um you can get stronger magic later on in the game. Uh, fire. Okay. Is not the base is not the end all be all fire spell. Um, it will oh, okay. you'll get an upgraded version, um, ah, as well as okay. you know an upgraded version of Blizzard and Lightning and stuff. And then as we see later on, we get the power of Wind, which is Arrow, and that is an air based attack that is kind of acts as attack and defense like all at once. And so. You know, I won't spoil the other magics and stuff, but whenever you're talking about AOE attacks and, uh, you know, abilities or something that will just wipe out a whole screen or something, that is particularly left for the abilities that you obtain that are not magic, uh, that are not like in your magic wheel. Ah, um, uh, okay. Yeah. Later on, because, you know, as you level up and as you complete certain missions or story beats in the game you do obtain 
different abilities, and if you have enough AP, you can equip them to your characters. And those abilities, that that stuff later on, that's whenever you really start seeing those really powerful wipe the whole fucking screen attacks. Yeah, you know? and the a- and the AP thing, like that's not a level thing, is it? Or is it something I have to You're, acquire? Yeah, because y- you can find. So there are other little items in the game. I don't know if we've come across any. Uh, yet maybe we have um, there are maybe. items there are items that you can find where they're either equipable like for instance you can put on a uh, like a band like a wristband or something or a necklace uh, in your mm-hmm. inventory or you know just on your person and if you look at kind of what it does to your stats it will uh, sometimes raise uh, your maximum AP like raise the amount of AP that you have available to use oh, um, or you know will okay. raise your strength or raise your defense uh, but also you can find little items called like strength up or defense up or AP up and those are just consumable items that whenever you take that it permanently boosts your AP or your strength or your defense or your magic by one or two points you know Um uh, okay. I yeah. I don't think I've ran into an item yet because most of it was just like, ma- like strength or make you like give you more defense or something like that. Yeah, and but also with leveling up as well, you also get, uh, yeah. You you can definitely boost up your strength and AP and magic and defense and all that stuff. All of that stuff goes up as you level up as well. So. Okay. Anyways, that was... Sidetracked. Yeah, very sidetracked. I just had questions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't... don't, Like I said, too, in some of these beginning episodes as well, I don't want to completely shy away from gameplay. If anything, I want to make sure that we get all the gameplay stuff, you know, maybe front-loaded all at at the very front so that the rest of the game, you know, we can talk a little bit about gameplay here and there, but most of it is just discussing the story and your experience in the in the game. And obviously your experience yeah. includes the gameplay, so I'm glad we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get some of those. Uh, I could have definitely asked you off podcast, you know what I mean, for <laughs> yeah, sure. But, sure. But I thought it would be, you know, because maybe somebody else has that same question. And it's yeah, just maybe, like, yeah. You know. It, it would be helpful. <laughs> I thought it would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it's good. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Anyways. Yeah. So Olympus. Yeah, you're in Olympus. You exit the the Olympus Coliseum. You run into Hades outside, and he gives you yes. a pass to go into the tournament. Yes. And you go and you yes, hand it to I Phil, and he's man. like, "Oh, you're totally. It, this is fine now." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where'd you get that from? And you're like, I don't know. And he's just like, nah, it's fine. Cool. Yeah. Enjoy the games. So <laughs> you go in, you fight some, you fight some, uh, some heartless or like, mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's before or after you fight some heartless, but whenever you enter the Col- Coliseum, Cloud walks past Fuck. You. Fuck Cloud. Fuck, Fuck that pretentious. Oh, okay. Calm down. Fuck. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> you're, you're speaking to Final Fantasy fans out there as well. <laughs> he upset me okay yeah he's he's definitely there's no real character. hate i just yeah i know, I no know. real hate <laughs> i just really like when he just walked past me i was just like i hate you already i just don't <laughs> yeah he gives you that look oh man yeah 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 see my first thought was that guy's cool as fuck <laughs> wait really yes so uh, check well, it out i'll, I'll just yeah. send you real fast this is cloud's design in in kingdom hearts this is a very different design than that of Cloud in Final Fantasy VII. 
you know, yeah. as we as we know, I mean, <laughs> I would have said this earlier, but I know you know, Cloud is the protagonist in Final Fantasy VII, and big sword, yeah, big fat sword. And I actually do have a little uh, interview, a little quote from Nomura from the Kingdom Hearts Ultimania back in 2002. So the question asker says something. They say this. They say also about Cloud. Isn't the left hand side of his design? modeled after Final Fantasy VII's Vincent. And I know you don't know who Vincent is, but he is a character in Final Fantasy VII. And then Nomura's response is, yes, his left arm is in Vincent's image. This time, in this setting, like in the Kingdom Hearts setting, Cloud is leaning towards the dark side. And I wanted to make him a bit more demon-like. And since Vincent is exactly that kind of design, I just added it in. Although, I would have liked to put Vincent in the game, too. So that's nice to hear, too, that he would have loved to have Vincent in the game. This is Vincent Valentine from... I would have loved to have him more. That is so cool. He's, he he looks, looks so dope. He looks really fucking badass. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on who Vincent is in the Final Fantasy VII universe, but this is uh, one of the main slash optional characters that you can recruit to your party in Final Fantasy VII. And just looking at these designs, yeah, Cloud clearly is inspired by this Vincent design, you know. Oh, yeah, red for sure. I mean, the the torn cape, the, you know. Like the glove. Yeah, the glove. The, I guess, I mean, I know Final Fantasy doesn't necessarily shy away from it, but, like, even some of the pointy edges, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. kind of like... You know, it's like very sharp. Yeah, he's very, a very very sharp design. Yeah, I like. I I do like this design of Cloud. Yeah, compared to what we're used to, I guess you know. It's it's very different. It's a completely new design. Um, also, just I don't understand the wrap around the sword. <clears throat> yeah, what is that? you know, I think it's all just stylistic for this game. It softens the blow. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would kind of. Yeah, kind of. Defeats the purpose of it being a sword, almost. <laughs> yeah, he wants you to feel it yeah. when he beats you. <laughs> so, so he, just another quick little thing. Like I had said in the previous episode, this game, Kingdom Hearts, is the first time that we are getting official voice acting for these older Final Fantasy characters. Uh, you know, like Leon, Squall, or, or Leon, Yuffie, Sid, Aerith, and now Cloud as well. So this is the first time in the history of Final Fantasy VII that we have a voice actor for Cloud Strife. So the voice actor, his name is Steve Burton. And up until the most recent Final Fantasy VII remake, Steve Burton was the voice of Cloud in everything. There's a Final Fantasy VII movie. There's been other games that include Cloud. He's been the voice of Cloud, and this was his kind of start as Cloud. Um... And then they changed him out for the Final Fantasy VII remake. But, yeah, this was kind of a big deal for a lot of people. And oh, I'm sure everybody went nuts when this, like, because I knew Final Fantasy characters within this, mm-hmm. but, like, not knowing anything. And you just, like, you know what I mean? Like, it had to have been crazy. Yeah, I, just also, just a, a side little tangent as well. I did not know what Final Fantasy was whenever I played this game. Um, one of my friends told me about it. He said that it was really cool, and you know, he showed he showed it to me whenever we were younger. And I liked Disney. I knew who Disney. 
I knew who Disney characters were, you know, pretty well, I think. But all these Final Fantasy characters, I thought that they were just all original characters to Kingdom Hearts whenever I was like, you know, 10 or whatever. Oh, that's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Kingdom Hearts was my, holy shit, I have to play Final Fantasy games. You know, after I played these games, I was like, I got to play Final Fantasy. And that is kind of this double-edged sword because the portrayal of a lot of these characters are not the same as they are portrayed in their original games. In this game, Cloud is very clearly edgy and moody and dark and depressed. Like he's he's, he's a sad boy. He's a sad boy. In <laughs> not to say that that stuff is completely absent from Cloud's character in Final Fantasy 7, but I think I think if people looked at Cloud's design and his character from this game and thought that that was Cloud's character, like that's just how he is in Final Fantasy VII, then they are are really missing out on a completely different character for the most part in that original Final Fantasy VII game. So he's mostly just the same Cloud in design, but even still in design, he's he's a different character. This is kind of just an... This is kind of a Frankenstein of Cloud that we are seeing in Kingdom Hearts. We've already gone on so many tangents. <laughs> Let's just... <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. We should really stay focused. Hades and Cloud, they kind of have this little deal, and it's to kill Hercules. And Cloud, is, and he ends up being the final match in the cup that you you know, you know fight here in, in the Olympus Coliseum. And after beating him, he gets crushed by Cerberus. And then Hercules, <laughs> Hercules comes out to save Cloud. And then the boss fight ensues. Uh, I don't like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't like it. Oh, my God. It gives me gives me Vietnam flashbacks when I think about it. <laughs> yeah, when I when I first played this boss too, I did not have the the ability scan equipped uh, to Sora, or I don't think I, I either didn't have it equipped or I didn't even have it at all. So this was one of those enemies where you're just whacking away, just saying, "When are you gonna die? When are you gonna die? When are you gonna die?" And um, yeah, having scan definitely made this battle a little bit more bearable for me as I grew older. But, uh, I think yeah, it's I think w. it's just knowing you're making progress is really it's not even the fact that the fight is easier or that you know you're yeah. like oh I could see a health bar it's just like you're see you're seeing that you're making progress on his health and it's just gives you more motivation to be like I can win this fight I can do this fight because mm-hmm. I could tell you without it by run three without scan I was very very sad with myself. like i was like i don't even know if i was close like was i even halfway like i have no idea it can definitely put your um i guess what i guess your motivation like put your ego down you know like (laughs) you just don't know if you're doing it right so this is the one that you had said you had to eventually just look up a strategy am i right yeah this was the one that just just it 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 was like seven or eight tries before i finally looked up a guide Mm -hmm. because i was just like I don't I don't understand what was so difficult about it. Maybe just because he does a lot of damage with his bite too, so like the only time you can really attack him, you have to like time your attack so you don't get bit and if you do, it's like half your health. 
Yeah. It's it's a lot of and on top of that and on top of that too i did it first so i didn't go do the easier thing i was like lower health and lower defenses lower magic so it was not easy at all by any means yeah yeah so you have this little boss battle with uh cerberus and after you win phil dubs the boys junior heroes and yeah, and then Hercules kind of whispers over to him as they're leaving. He's like, "I, I kind of, I helped wear Cerberus down." That fucking asshole. Which is, which is such a. There's no way. From what <laughs> I saw, it looked like he picked up Cloud and was running tail. Okay. Yeah. There was yeah. no way he picked up anything else. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Sora, uh, as he's leaving, he has this little conversation uh, with Cloud. And Cloud reveals that he is searching for someone and that he fell to darkness in this search for someone. And as they kind of walk away from each other, Sora obtains the ability Sonic Blade from Cloud. So you get a pretty cool little ability from that. Other than, I guess, just everything that we've talked about with Cloud so far, you know, Mm -hmm. what's what's your opinion of, of him in this game? I don't. I think that was very clear early on. Yeah, yeah. You said you don't like him. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not that. Like I said, it's not that I don't like the character Cloud. I sure. was just, you know, looking at it from this game, and like they're like, man, he's he's going to be a real tough opponent. As soon as yeah. they were like that, I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck him. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I lost to him, but fuck you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, there was no way, dude. He is his his like battle whatever like whatever the ai does is just kind of insane and he doesn't even go for goofy or donald he just he goes right for you it does not matter yeah. what <laughs> any of them are doing he will end yeah. your end your shit real quick <laughs> yeah yeah so that's kind of the last little bit of that of cloud that we'll see uh, for the time being um whenever you're leaving olympus you get a little scene that kind of shows a brief meeting with hades and maleficent and yeah that's that's pretty much the end of olympus coliseum as a whole just i you know later yeah it's very linear you're just kind of told you know go do these challenges and here's a boss and then bye (laughs) yeah i i was really expecting they could have did some cool stuff with olympus i mean olympus is in general is just Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff you can do with Zeus, you know, all the, the Greek gods, but hey, they, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It was a difficult world for sure. I I will say, um, especially in talking a little bit about the next episode, this is not the only time that we visit Olympus here in this game. So oh, Okay, good. That That's yeah. good because... That I was very concerned that was it, and I was like, wow, that was like <laughs> yeah. three minutes of yeah, whatever. Yeah, short and sweet, yeah. Uh, so as as you are leaving, you know you get that little scene with Hades and Maleficent. You see just you know some nefarious goings ons between the two of them. Yes. And then you hop back in uh, the gummy ship, and then we are off to Wonderland. The gang lands in Wonderland. 
you see the white rabbit run away. He's like, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. You enter the next room. You have a very brief conversation with the doorknob who tells you that you can shrink by drinking from the bottle that's on the table. And if you want to get big, you got to get back on the table. You drink the other bottle. And then the doorknob falls asleep. And every time that you go to talk to him, he's just snoring. <laughs> so there's a yep. few yeah there's a few things that you can kind of do in this room like you can push in that bed whenever you're all big and stuff uh just yeah. i guess first impressions have, have you seen alice in wonderland like the original movie oh yeah yes yeah. it's like i'm not gonna lie the three worlds that we talk about today are like some of my favorites that i you know okay. kind of grew up with so yeah. alice in wonderland i just love that it's like this trippy just weird you know yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Bizarre. to describe it. It's just this. Yeah, it's this weird just adventure that Alice goes on, and all mm-hmm. the characters are super unique. So when I saw it was Wonderland, I was very excited. I was like, <laughs> they could do a lot of weird stuff with this too. I go, yeah, they. You know, I want to see where yeah. this goes for sure. Absolutely. So as you are kind of in this room, you you get real small. You fight some heartless. If you pushed in that bed, you can walk in through that little door in there. And then as you are going into this courtyard there is a trial happening where alice is being accused of quote attempted theft of the queen's heart um i hate the queen yeah yeah the queen's always yeah totally the worst super unfair um i have a i have a couple of little gavin facts for you Ooh, get facts the voice actor for alice is the same voice actor as alice is in the original movie really yes Catherine Beaumont, or Beaumont, Beaumont, she was 13 whenever she was voicing Alice in the original movie, and she came back over, uh, literally like 50 years later when she was 63 and voices her again for Kingdom Hearts. Wow, 63. Yeah, yeah. and she sounds just like the same like little girl, you know? That's crazy. Like, Yeah. I, I mean, I personally just wouldn't have even known the difference <laughs> if they would have got somebody else but that's yeah really cool. exactly you know and it's not danny devito who voices phil over in olympus but even with that, that one tell. yeah because you know it's danny devito you know especially with how audio restoration works for those older movies like in the 50s and stuff you know it's they could have used any woman to make like a little kid voice you know and i probably yeah. would not have batted an eye (laughs) yeah but i think it's really cool that you know like i had said not every voice actor is the their original voice actor but some of them are and alice i think is probably one of the more shocking cases of this (laughs) yeah and it's that movie is just you know just speaking of the times too of just what was going on uh as a paraphernalia around that time yeah uh and the fact that you know, you kind of get a little bit of taste of some history along with it. It's really, really cool. I mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, after we get this this introduction to this really unfair trial, um, Sora intervenes, even though Goofy right before that is like, we should not meddle in other worlds. And, you know, this is like <laughs> what they've been talking about. And as, we'll, as we will come to see, that's kind of all Sora and the gang do. <laughs> That's like all they do is they just meddle in the the affairs of other worlds and stuff. I mean, that's literally yeah. That's like the whole point of the game. It's yeah, just exactly. meddle in other people's worlds. Yeah. So uh, the queen locks up Alice 
And she tells you that if you go find evidence to prove her innocence, she'll let her go. And then you walk into the Lotus Forest, which is right, you know, it's the next door over from the, from the, uh, you know, this queen's throne room or whatever. And you meet the Cheshire Cat. And he gives yes. you this little cryptic hint on where to find some of the evidence. And he says that there are four pieces of evidence in total, but one is tricky to find. The the four in question, too, I know you, since we've already discovered all of it, it's footprints, antenna, stench, and claw marks. And once you find all the evidence, yeah. the Cheshire Cat gives you a blizzard. So yes. just kind of, you know, this is the Cheshire Cat. How do you feel about him in this game? I love the Cheshire Cat. He's like my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> He's like my favorite person in Alice in Wonderland. I just like how weird he is and just... How much of a kind of a dick he is to everybody else? He's just like I know all the answers. But, yeah, you know, he's like ca- he's like chaotic care. neutral. <laughs> yeah, like he's like I know I saw what happened. He goes, but figure it out yourself. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm yep. like I love you. You're like my favorite person. <laughs> so Cheshire Cat gives you Blizzard. So now you've got, I guess now you've got Fire, Thunder, and Blizzard. So you got your three main elementals and Earth, Wind, can- and Fire. Yeah, Earth, Earth. <laughs> well, later we'll get we'll get some wind, but you know. Anyway, so now we have these four elemental powers, and we can start doing some serious damage to all these heartless. And after you go and you present the evidence to the queen, um, the queen actually ends up submitting her own evidence, and then mixes all of them up randomly and tells you to pick one. You know, court. Just how court works. Yeah. Yeah, that's how court. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh my god. But yeah, that's how court. I'm Dude, dying. Shut up. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm dying over here. No, I was like, she's like, yeah, here's my own evidence, and I'm gonna like shuffle them, like pick one. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know how in the Johnny Depp trial, the judge is just like, here's here's my evidence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you go and you give all the evidence to the queen. She mixes them all up. Says, pick one. And the quote-unquote correct box is whatever whatever box you pick where the heartless is inside. But since it's a random choice, you can pick a box with either Donald or Goofy inside as well. Whenever you picked a box, do you remember what popped out of it? It was a heartless, for okay, sure. cool. So Donald or Goofy can be a part of the evidence as well. No matter what you pick, you still have to fight the guards regardless, but your teammates whichever one you picked in the box will be locked inside of a cage if you choose them by accident and that's i don't know that's just some little gameplay stuff that can be changed depending on what kind of playthrough you're doing um and so i was then, wondering if it was always going to be a heartless or if there were other options because i like yeah, I, said, I got a heartless so i was like oh is it like any box i pick it doesn't matter I think if it didn't matter, it would make no sense why the queen would just be like, and here's my evidence. <laughs> well, it could give you the element of choice. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you got lucky, you know, kind of thing. But it's mm-hmm. like, I've seen games do it where it's like, they you think you're getting some kind of choice in the matter, but realistically, you're getting pushed to where the developer would want you to go no matter what. Right, right. So, after Sora is done killing the citizens of Wonderland, basically it's revealed that Alice is no longer in her cage. And then the Cheshire Cat t- 
tell Sora to go turn on the lights in the bizarre room. And then uh, world design shenanigans ensue. That's that's what it says in my notes. So as you're just kind of exploring <laughs> Wonderland, what are what are your thoughts on just kind of the level design of Wonderland? Just going to different rooms, you know, flipping over on walls and stuff. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was uh, definitely a difference from the Coliseum. I was really, like, uh, happy because I was like, oh, there's more for me to explore than just walking straight because I was actually really worried that it was just like, you walk straight, here's a thing, here's another thing, boss battle. I was like, oh, that wouldn't be very fun. But yeah. getting getting to explore and, like, also try to, like, figure out where the chests were and, you know, all the different items and messing with the flowers in there was a lot of fun. And I had, and I loved just the upside down, you know, just throwing everything on its head. It's like, oh, yeah, it's upside down. I'm like, I'm like oh, that's that's kind of a cool mechanic. I go, you know, it's, eh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, it's, it, it's a good world, but I, like... I wish there was more, I guess, sure. would be the best thing to say. Yeah, and it, this is kind of a common thing that I just have to say about a lot of these worlds, you know. The fact that this is the first Kingdom Hearts game, that's 2002, we're on the PlayStation 2. Uh, there have been technically impressive, like, more impressive games than Kingdom Hearts before this game. But for yeah. what it is, I really can't think of anything better that they could have done as far as the world design of Wonderland no, for I... this time. I think they really nailed it when it comes to general, like like I said, taking the gameplay out of it, mm-hmm. it really feels like, you know, if I were to imagine what a game of that era would be of Wonderland, that's what I would see. Yeah, you, know, you, you shrink places. small, yeah. Yeah, you have the white rabbit running over the place. The queen is making some outlandish remarks about something. Yeah. You know, and you're getting into trouble even though, you know, even if he didn't intervene, I'm sure there would have been something where, you know, you would have gotten in trouble anyway because that's just how Wonderland works. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I really enjoyed it. I liked how trippy it was. And like I said, the Cheshire Cat kind of just being like this like stake just dangling in front of you like i know where we're going but like yeah. you know i don't i can't really tell you goodbye i was <laughs> right. just like i was like bastard i yeah. love you so with the lights turned on a shadow is formed in the bizarre room and this is kind of how this boss is kind of assumed to be formed is from from the shadow and this is kind of a um you know a callback to kind of that opening sequence that dream sequence where uh, the voice mm-hmm. says to Sora, the closer you get to the light, the greater your shadow becomes. And then his shadow becomes this huge enemy and you fight that enemy. And so now, you know, the Cheshire Cat's like, well, in order to continue, turn on the lights, <laughs> you know, start making some shadows there in the room, you know. So, yeah, Trickmaster, who is the that's the name of this uh, heartless boss, uh, he comes into the scene. And yeah, what do you what do you think about this Trickmaster battle? I really liked I really liked the boss. I liked the design. I like how he was kind of slinky. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's kind of he's like, designed as like party favors. Yeah, it's it reminded me of like a like kind of a creepy clown. I guess mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Kind of like lanky and just. But uh, I like I I liked how he was designed and I like how he kind of just you know being on the table too. Like being small and on the table was like 
how you could really do damage to him and then i like yeah. the fact too that he could destroy the table and then you lost that height yeah. advantage to really do that and i was like that's really cool because they could have just let us just you know constantly be on whale the table away. and just yeah whale away yeah, on him but spam it's like nah, fire or blizzard or whatever yeah and it's like okay now we took away your your advantage now what it's like yeah. what do you do now like just uh, try to survive until it respawns and then like the second and third phases where he walks over like i just love how it just seemed like he was uh like a child he would kind of like walk over to the fire (laughs) like stick his like like bowling pin or whatever it was in it and just be like (laughs) it's on fire now and then just start swinging at you i was like i love (laughs) yeah i love that so much yeah, it's a cool little boss fight. Uh, not my favorite so far. I mean, you know, we're still early on in this oh, game. Oh, no, not my is, favorite. Yeah, for a uh, for a boss battle so far, you know, very, very cool introductory level for this, or, you know, boss for this level. But yeah, basically after that, you kill the Trickmaster, and the commotion, like the, just the noise, I guess, of the fight wakes up the doorknob. And whenever he yawns, he reveals that there is a keyhole to the world. It's in his mouth. <laughs> it's in his mouth. Which, yeah, yeah. where else would it be? <laughs> I I kind of was like, yeah, where else would it be? But I was like, does it really, do we really need to have the scene of me sticking a rod in his mouth? I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to play out the first time I watched it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Sora seals the keyhole to this world, and then a gummy piece appears in front of them. And then the Cheshire Cat reveals that Alice left with the shadows into darkness. And that's... That's pretty much how we exit Wonderland. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Yeah, we talked a bit already about the level design and all that, but just kind of overall thoughts. Are you a fan of Wonderland? Oh, yeah. Like, at at least at this moment in time, <laughs> like, it was, like, my favorite favorite world to go to. I was just like, this was great. I love the boss. The boss was fun to fight. Um, I wanted to explore more. Honestly, I like really? if, if If it was bigger... Like, if there was more stuff to do, I don't think I would have left. Like, it would have been a hard time <laughs> to finish out stuff because I would have been so uh, interested to see what, what else I could do in that world. Dash, I, I love your optimism um, because Wonderland <laughs> is notoriously hated <laughs> by really Hearts fan. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and honestly, Why? you know, as we kind of get into this next world too, we'll talk a little bit more. Just kind of like some of the some of the gripes. I have gripes about this next world that we're going to, but I I'm excited oh, to hear your gonna, thoughts. We're about gonna it. do battle then. We're gonna okay. Do battle. Okay, that's fine. I, this that's was fine. this was by far my favorite place to go, and we kind of talked Wonderland about it a little bit off stream. Oh no, oh. I was talking about the next place. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so after, you know, the Cheshire Cat kind of leaves us with this cryptic, you know, oh, Alice left into the darkness with shadows. Um, we get we hop back in our gummy ship, and before we even arrive to this next place, you know, we we arrive, we kind of see the outside of it. It's this jungle area, and Goofy's like, oh, maybe the king is down there. And Donald's like, <laughs> in that backwater place like that, no way. And wow, I didn't know he also <laughs> sold propane. Yeah, God, Donald then, is such a talented person. Yeah, and then uh, Sora mentions that Riku and Kairi might be there too, and he's like, no, we got to go down there. Uh, and then I guess it's very interesting because now I'm just realizing that we are controlling Donald flying the ship. 
because Sora's like, Donald, land the ship, like land. And Donald's like refusing to land and, and Sora gets mad. And then they kind of start arguing over it for a little bit. But then I, like I said, I'm just kind of thinking of this now. Like, <laughs> I guess in the well, gummy ship think, portions, we're controlling Donald controlling the ship. <laughs> but I think, too, at the end of this world we're going to, like, this doesn't spoil anything. But, like, doesn't doesn't Sora argue with Donald that he flies the ship this, like, that yeah. time? Or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I think I think so. But uh, it's just something I noticed here in this little argument bit before they uh, before they land. But yeah, they argue for yeah. a little bit about you know the the controls. Like Donald's like, no, don't touch that, and they kind of and then they crash in deep jungle. I fucking love Deep Jungle. Yeah, Deep Jungle is a very cool location. The movie that it's based on is clearly Tarzan. Um, just real fast though, but before Tarzan appears, did you did you get it like immediately? Were you like, oh, this is Tarzan? Uh, yeah, no, I I I was like, this is like Tarzan, kind of like <laughs> I was well, because you know, let's be honest. I mean, when this game came out and when you know, Kingdom Hearts, you know, they're going to add Disney characters to it. It's like, there's not, there. what other jungle kind of movie from Disney is there? Is there I mean, I honestly? guess there's uh, the Jungle Book. That is true, but I didn't think, I don't think it has, like, much fighting. You know what I mean? Because we have to fight mm-hmm. Heartless. So, like, my first thought was not Jungle Book. It was definitely Tarzan. I was like, Tarzan mm-hmm. fights Jaguars and everything else. We, we'll get to this later on when we get to this game, but there is a game in the series where there is a cut Jungle Book level that you can actually go into the game files and uh, walk around in one of the levels that was supposed to be based off of Ooh, Jungle Book. Ooh, that's but cool. It's, but it's totally like, it's just like a platform that you can walk on. Like, you walk through walls and stuff. There's no enemies. It's just like a level. Anyways, Jungle Book was definitely thrown into the mix at some point. Um, it would just be interesting at how they would put it in because... Nothing. I mean, there are there is conflict in the Jungle Book, but like, not any kind of combat. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. Sure. Like, it's kind of like short bits. It would be kind of mm-hmm. weird unless it was just like, oh, look, that's the Jungle Book. That's cool. Okay, on to this next thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you arrive in Deep Jungle, and you know, after the crash, they all get separated, and we see Sora land inside of this huge treehouse where he's then ambushed by Sabor. And after this little battle that you have with him, Tarzan shows up and he saves Sora. And Sora starts to tell Tarzan that he's looking for his friends, uh, Donald and Goofy, but then he's just like, fuck those guys. <laughs> and oh, he says, yeah, I'm looking for Riku and Kairi. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, they just had this little tiff. I, it's funny in the way that it comes across in these cutscenes because whenever they, even whenever they reunite later, they kind of have like this huh, like, I don't want to look at you. I don't want to talk to you. But their little argument, their little crash landing argument was not like that bad. I'm wondering why they're like taking it so damn seriously. Because <laughs> I feel like they're kids. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like even Donald and Goofy, even though I mean, Goofy really didn't give a shit. That was Goofy like, has a son. Yeah, Goofy. No, no, I don't. Uh, yeah. 
But like, Goofy didn't give a shit. He was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was just like but, a little argument between Sora and Donald. Yeah, it was like it, I feel like Donald, even though you know Huey, Dewey, and Louie's a thing. I was like, I was like, he's like a kid. He's like a child. He has like child like temperament. You know what I mean? So it's like. Him and Sora, I go, I could already tell they're going to bump heads, like, almost the whole game. Yeah, so this, you know, he's he's like, I'm looking for my friends, Donald. Never mind. Like, he's like, I'm looking for Riku and Kairi. Um, and then kind of as he's sort of, like, talking with Tarzan, he sees this, what looks to be this kind of, like, hallucination of Kairi who walks then behind Tarzan and then Sora kind of snaps out of it and then <laughs> and then Tarzan's just like <laughs> or, whatever, or whatever the fuck he does <laughs> and then um, we see Donald and Goofy wake up kind of in the bamboo forest like we see kind of where they crash landed and then Turk shows up and then it looks I swear to god like he shits a gummy block <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one that thought that, dude. It literally looked like he shit a fucking block. I was yeah. like, I was like, did he just poop? I go, yeah. like, what happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Turk shows up and shits a gummy block, and then we kind of get like back the over true alpha male. <laughs> yeah, we or I, I think Turk is a female actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Turk yeah, is yeah. a female. That shit. Like, uh, who was it? Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, it was Whoopi Goldberg, wasn't it, in the movie? Dude, I don't know. Hold on, you're about to say some... No, it's Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, yeah, fuck! (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) Bro, should I cut that out? (laughs) No, leave that shit in, because that's funny. (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg. No, she plays like the... She plays some character. She has to. Anyways, um, so we get back over here to Tar- Tarzan, and uh, Tarzan's with Sora, and this is really cool because this is the first time that we get the option to to um, well, actually, it's not really an option right now. Tarzan is just thrown into your party, and it's just you and Tarzan. Yeah, and you know you you're not really fighting a whole lot of Heartless yet because you do the whole vines thing where you go back down into the camp. And um, at the camp, we're reunited with Donald and Goofy, as well as uh, we meet Jane and Clayton for the first time. Clayton. And the gummy block is then revealed to kind of be this material that makes up the U.S. tugboat. <laughs> it makes yes. up It makes up the gummy ships, and it's kind of this hint that the king could have visited the world. Um, and then at this point, you get control of, of the you know the gang again and here is where you get the choice of like okay do you want tarzan in your party if so you gotta let go of donald or goofy so what what did you do i ditched the fuck out of donald (laughs) i I said fuck donald i said give me tarzan (laughs) so you have you know now we got the new crew we got sora goofy and tarzan this this should have been this should have been from the start. This should have been the beginning of the game. So you get this chance to swap some party members, and then you go out and you find uh, slides so that you can kind of jog Tarzan's memory of Riku or or Kyrie or the King or something. And whenever you go and you bring those slides back in, you can look through all of those. And the first slide that you see is this image of a castle. And then Sora says, "I feel like." 
I've been there before. Um, but he says it's weird because he's never left to Destiny Islands before. Did you look too deep into that, or what did you think about that little scene? I thought, um, I mean, when I heard that, I kind of made the, con- I didn't make a connection because I don't obviously know. Um, but I thought maybe that, remember in the very beginning when Sora became Sora, when he was falling into the water and everything else? Oh, yeah, in the dream sequence? Yeah, like, what if this is just, I was like, what if this is just, like, an endless loop, you know what I mean? Like, Sora, Sora does all this, and then at the end, like, he goes to sleep or something after a job well done. He takes a nice rest, and then he wakes up, and he's back to the beginning of where, you know, he's having this dream sequence again, and he's falling or something. I don't know. Interesting. And you think in one of those dreams or one of these, like, semi-past lives of Sora or something, he's, like, been to that place or something? Is that what you're... Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or I'm thinking that, like, he like lives in the castle or he lives around that area like this has already happened and he kind of is like telling a story or jiminy's telling a story or something like that you know what i mean this is this is interesting i did not think that you were gonna go this direction um Uh, dude my theory brain has been working since i (laughs) i get lore and i'm just like yes okay okay well i'm not going to uh i'm not gonna say anything you know don't hurt yourself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this there's you know there's there is definitely some significance behind this photo and we'll we'll get to it later you know if we remember or if someone in the comments you know decides to remind me or something i want to kind of bring it back eventually to kind of this time where he's like oh i feel like i've been there before uh there is some significance you know so yeah i just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that and once oh, you my theory brain's a going dog i swear yeah. to god <laughs> That's good, man. I'm happy. Clayton then comes in, and he's convincing Tarzan to go take Sora to go uh, meet the gorillas. And while they're out over there talking to the gorillas, we get the scene of Clayton going up to the treehouse, and he tries to shoot Turk with a shotgun. (laughs) And right (laughs) after all... Yeah, right after all that, we're being scolded by everyone over at the camp. Or, sorry, we are not. Uh, Clayton is being scolded by everyone at the camp, and then Clayton swears right after that. He walks out of the tent, he swears he's going to, like, kill all the gorillas or something. Like he does. Like he does. Yeah. And so, while we are in this other fight with Sabor, uh, the Heartless swarm the camp, where Jane and Turk are just kind of hiding out inside the tent, and... Tarzan and co. realize that Jane isn't <laughs> in the tent whenever they go back to the camp. And later on, they find her held captive in the vines near the treehouse. Jane kind of hints that Clayton was a part of all of it. And so then everyone heads back over here to the Bamboo Cliffs area and Sora and Tarzan stop Clayton from killing all these gorillas. Sora's like, Clayton! And Tarzan's like, no, not Clayton. And we have this short little boss fight with Clayton where it's just, you know, you're just fighting him. I think there's some Heartless on the field as well, but you're just fighting Clayton the human. <laughs> and then we get this very 
cool introduction to uh, Stealth Sneak, which is the name of uh, this chameleon heartless who shows up. He breaks down the wall and he joins Clayton in fighting you. His name is Stealth Sneak, which I think mean the same thing. <laughs> and... No, they definitely they definitely do. They're just synonyms. There are is that yes synonyms? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just kind of this whole you know. A lot of fast-moving stuff in between the, all this, but do you have any kind of thoughts on anything kind of leading up to this, or just if not, you know, what are your thoughts on this boss battle? Oh, I love this. This is my favorite boss battle that we've done so yeah, far. It's a good one. I uh, like it a lot, too. I like it a lot. I like the the uh, dynamic of the, you know, chameleon or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But it was really cool, and I liked, and I think I kind of had this hatred towards clayton like even from watching the movie you know what i mean so like yeah getting a chance to really just like kind of like say fuck you you know what i mean yeah it felt really good it felt really good (laughs) well cool yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you enjoy this uh this little battle um one thing just to kind of note here clayton i'm pretty sure is the only villain in this uh first kingdom hearts game to control the heartless without actually being a member of Maleficent's um, like group, yeah, or like castle, you know, yeah. I wondered that because I was wondering if he like because obviously he wasn't a part of the main like trio or not trio, but like the main group of you know villains that were like around the table that we saw mm-hmm. in that one cutscene. Yeah. Um. So I was wondering if he's like maybe an underling. Or is he, um, or is he just, I don't know, maybe he has, like, this just presence, like, Gaston kind of presence, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, so, it's it's closer to that. We'll talk about it whenever we are kind of, like, ending this uh, this world, but yeah. they do kind of talk about, like, we get a scene of the villain council, and they do kind of talk about him um, for a little bit, so we'll get, we'll get there, um... But just kind of wanted to point that out that, yeah, he is – he's not a part of that council. And yet it seems that he does have some type of control over over this Heartless. Uh, the other thing about this boss battle as well um, – here's some more picture time for you. This is Ooh. the this is the stealth sneak that we get in the base Kingdom Hearts version. Um, this is not stealth, uh, stealth sneak from the final mix. This is – just what he looked like on PS2 here in America, you know, looks generally the same. <clears throat> and as we were talking about with like guard armor, guard armor didn't really get any sort of different design change other than a color palette swap. Yeah. Uh, every now and then they will have a, um, like a completely new design or something or not like a new design, but they'll have there will be some other details about them that are separate from the colors. But in the final mix version, Stealth Sneak looks like this. And he's pretty much the same color palette almost. But he's got like these tribal tattoos all over him. Yeah, and I really like the tribal. Like, it makes him look more menacing. I kind of yeah, like it Yeah, I think way. so too. I think chameleons in general, like this is just me. I think chameleons in general are just kind of like... Spooky. Like plotting against, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. plotting against us. <laughs> probably, you're probably right. So you have this boss battle with uh, Stealth Sneak and Clayton, 
And uh, right after all of this, <clears throat> you know, Sting Chameleon, Sting Chameleon, yeah, because we're playing fucking Mega Man, uh, Stealth Sting Chameleon, <laughs> yeah, Stealth Stealth Sneak. He, he comes, like he comes down on he comes, uh, he comes, and he he comes down on Clayton, and he I guess dies. I don't know. Like this is really I think the, he. I think he I think he dies for sure. I don't think Clayton dies in this. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what all. I'm saying. Yeah. No, uh Stealth Sneak definitely dies cuz we yeah. see his heart like leave the leave the heartless and go up into the sky. Uh but I don't really know what happened with Clayton. As, unless there's like another little scene with him or something. I'm pretty sure no, he's just trapped. I mean, when when the <laughs> chameleon, when Stealth Sneak did fall, like he was kind of like like he kind of like struggled underneath before he like passed yeah. out or whatever but then he we, did. Yeah, then we get all these uh, all the gorillas show up afterwards, and they oh, fucking just why? eat us into the air. Why? Yeah, why me? What did I do? I <laughs> saved you. I saved your your species. And you just kind of land like a couple feet above where you already were. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's like up a hit, like up a hill. <laughs> like he's yeah. like eh. I threw you far. <laughs> you know, I'm going to just assume that whenever Stealth Sneak fell on top of Clayton, I'm going to assume that that k- killed him. Or if not, I'm going to assume that once his body like vanished, uh, the gorillas just fucking tore him to shreds. That's just going to be my head cannon, simply because well, in canon in, he does die in the movie. Yeah, like, he, technically he, he does hung. die. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he is literally, he hangs himself, essentially. Uh, and Tarzan even tries to kind of save him from it happening. And then we see the silhouette of his dangling body held by vines. And uh, it's really brutal in the movie. And so I'm just going to assume, and here's, this is kind of a spoiler, kind of not a spoiler. We never see Tarzan again. This is the only time in all of kingdom hearts that we see the tarzan world or any of the tarzan characters so That's i'm bullshit. just going to it it is it really is i'm just going to assume that this was the death of clayton <laughs> so <laughs> uh this yeah kingdom hearts is like twist on the death of clayton i guess uh, so we're yeeted thousands of feet into the air. We land on this little ledge, which is only a couple of feet above where we were. And then we see this waterfall and Tarzan says home. And we walk behind the waterfall and we kind of do some platforming on the inside of this waterfall, like the back of it. And when we get to the top, <laughs> Jane realizes that Tarzan's monkey language, is, like he's saying, he's saying heart and friends in our heart. And yes, Phil Collins for the win. Yeah, me and you were talking about this today. Just our our love of Tarzan and and kind of that uh, that motif of you will be in my heart. The Phil Collins song, you'll be in my heart. That's a huge theme in in that game, or sorry, in that movie. And here in this game too, we are still seeing the like friends and the people like in our hearts. Like that's where they are. That's where they stay. And Tarzan says. I'll just say exactly what he says because he says, uh, friends, same heart. Clayton, lose heart. No heart, no see friends. No heart, no friends. And for me, knowing how the rest of the series goes, <laughs> there, there is some stuff to pick apart here. 
with some like main antagonist stuff like way later down the line you know oh uh, i completely agree with you on that for sure yeah. like when he said no heart i was like does he become like a heartless like later <laughs> you know what i mean like later on in the series or something like that something we don't see obviously i don't know <laughs> sure. yeah. um but i was like i was like he said a lot of like open-ended like stuff you know what i mean a mm-hmm. lot of it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways yeah so he has this little conversation with them and then you know sora and donald they make up they kiss and stuff it's all sweet and then sora seals the keyhole and it's laying there inside the tree and then a new gummy piece appears and then goofy says that it's not the king's gummy ship and then we get this very kind of cutesy little scene where Turk is all into Donald. And then Donald kind of insinuates that the only reason why he wouldn't get with Turk is because Daisy wouldn't like it. <laughs> so because he's that's, he's down for the monkey side. It, like That's <laughs> yeah. all I got from that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> all, all he says after that, he's just like, oh, no, Daisy would kill me. And it's like Donald. That's the only reason. Okay. It's like Donald's like Donald's like I would, but like you know. Yeah. I can't. Like, I can't give. The, I can't give I'm up. So the good sorry. Stuff. I'm taken. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> he kind of insinuates that he'd be down if it wasn't for Daisy being so mad. You know. So. <laughs> God, that's that's an image that I completely forgot about yeah. for the last like 24 <laughs> hours, and now you've brought it back in my mind, and I don't need it. So we get this little scene with Maleficent and the Council of Villains, and this is kind of what I was talking about, too, with them discussing uh, Clayton's heart. Uh, They wonder how the Heartless made it to Tarzan. They're like, how did that happen? How did the Heartless even make it over there to um, Deep Jungle? And Maleficent explains that the darkness inside of Clayton's heart is what summoned the heartless to the world because he was it was just incredibly dark, but it was also incredibly weak. and it was the weakness of his heart that killed him. Yeah, I found that very interesting because I felt like it was... It, it doesn't necessarily just mean that if you have darkness in your heart that a heartless is going to take your heart. It can also attract... You know what I mean? It can attract yeah. them to a certain world. And then on top of that too, it was interesting she said that it was weak. Like, mm-hmm. was it was it weak in the sense of he wasn't as truly evil as he was or was it weak in the sense of that they couldn't make him a full heartless because he had some kind of compassion because like even in the movie i mean we didn't really obviously see too much of in the game but in the movie like he does have some kind of passion for studying the gorillas to some extent yeah you know what i mean so it's like was that like the part that was kind of ruining his full change to a heartless you know what i mean like he could have been the full boss fight you know what i mean like possibly it could have yeah. been just him if he was if his heart was strong enough you know what i mean sure yeah dude i love your theories man this is this is fun <laughs> yeah the, it's the weakness of his heart is what killed him and then they reveal that their plan of kidnapping princesses is going smoothly and then they show that they've kidnapped snow white and yeah. i mean yeah she's like She's like a five, so it's okay. <laughs> She's mid. <laughs> Snow White's pretty mid. Um, I know we just talked about a little bit of theory stuff. Do you have any yeah. kind of ideas on like why are they kidnapping princesses? Well, so yes, I do actually, because like, so when 
you think of like Kingdom Hearts, it's it's dark versus light, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you think of just the Disney stories, what's like the most purest kind of heart? It's a princess. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. And why not take that? Because if you remove, because like we just saw with uh, Clayton, if you have some kind of darkness, it can attract other darkness to it. But when you have a princess in that world, you know, in Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, all those, it can almost overshadow the darkness. It could be the blinding light, the North Star in that Mm -hmm. world. And it's really in- it was really interesting because I just dude I started going down a rabbit hole of just like writing notes like like it was just it's like maybe they took the queen the princesses out because that was the only way to let the darkness kind of creep farther in than it already was mm-hmm. like maybe they had some power into it but it wasn't strong enough for them to have a full on presence now that the princesses are starting to be taken <clears throat> They can start not only disappearing worlds, but also disappear, like starting to invade those other worlds because there's nothing to really hold them back. There's no light. There's no pure heart in those uh, in those worlds. Gotcha. Yeah, guys. If <clears throat> all all my other Kingdom Hearts fans out there, um, yeah, go crazy in the comments. <laughs> let let me know. Let me know what you think of Dash's. Uh, theories right here i'm ex- i'm excited to see how other people uh react to that theory um given how much you know about the series so i mean i know i'm right so it's fine okay as long as i'm so joking i'm so joking don't don't hurt me i promise <laughs> <laughs> so as sora we kind of we cut back over to to G- deep jungle for a minute as sora is leaving deep jungle Tarzan gives him his first keychain, and this keychain yes. transforms the Keyblade into the Jungle King. It and you looks also so get, cool. Yes, it does. You also get the Red Trinity. Yeah, so this Jungle King, it's just like made of meat and bones and shit. <laughs> yeah, it looks so cool, though, like... I mean, we'll get into it when we get to Traverse Town in that one cutscene, but, like, just holding it out looks so badass. Oh, yeah. Dude, I forget I forget that uh, the Keyblade, whatever kind of Keyblade uh, you have, like, whatever keychain you have equipped or whatever, um, whatever it looks like, it appears that same way in the cutscenes. So, that's pretty cool. So, when you're leaving Deep Jungle, they mention... Uh, that they don't really know what to do with these gummy pieces, and they decide that they're going to head back over to Traverse Town uh, to see if they can figure out what to do with him. But yeah, all in all, how do you like the world of Deep Jungle? This was so far. This was the longest of Disney World. No, this was my favorite world by far. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. It had a lot of the characters I liked. The boss battle was cool, and the story was very, very awesome. Um, yeah. It was it, it was everything I kind of wanted in, you know what I mean, in the previous two worlds, if that makes sense. Like, it was a lot of the stuff that drew me into the world and made me want to stay longer. Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, it's, it's for sure the biggest 
world so far that we've been to. It's obviously bigger than Olympus Coliseum. Um, It's much bigger than all of the levels in Wonderland as well. It's, It's bigger than Traverse Town, bigger than Destiny Islands. The biggest thing that really annoys me about this world is that there is so much backtracking. There is so much just having to run all the way back to the fucking treehouse and run all the way back to the tent and then run to the bamboo area, then run all the way back to the treehouse and then going through the vines and then the vines not working properly when you're trying to jump on them sometimes and trying to jump on the hippopotamus and always missing and have to swim all the way back to the beginning. Like there's like for me, all of the backtracking is what makes this unfortunately my least favorite world in all of the first kingdom hearts game. See, I think I had the total opposite because I was so excited. Not excited, but I was so involved into the world that, like, going back and seeing the different stuff. And I think it was also, too, I think what um, the other two worlds really missed on was, like, Olympus. All we had was was uh, Phil Swift uh, and Hercules. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's all we had. And then, you know, Alice in Wonderland, we had the cards, obviously, but I don't really consider them, like, singular characters. You know what I mean? It's sure, like, yeah. yes, that's the cards. But we had the Queen and we had Alice. Like, two characters that we really know. And then the Cheshire Cat and, like, the Rabbit were side characters, not really putting in too much. Yeah, I think the story of Deep Jungle is the best so far. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we just saw a lot of characters and we saw... Like, you know, fighting the cheetah and stuff like that, you know, was just like, yeah, like this was, it, it was like kind of just a lot of the stuff that I wanted. And even though I had to backtrack, like it didn't bother me because I was like, I want to be in this world as much as I can. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm like I said, dude, I'm really happy that you are very, you're just so optimistic, you know, about, about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I, I love how much you are enjoying this experience right now. Like I'm not, I don't want, you know, my opinions of Deep Jungle to affect, you know, how you enjoy it. Because if you end up going to every single fucking world in this game and are like, this is the this is better than the last world. Oh, this world is better than the last world. You know, like if you're just constantly just being wowed and amazed by all the worlds in Kingdom Hearts, dude, it's good on you, dude. I wish that were me. I, w- I wish I could like <laughs> just let go of a lot of my per- oh, I I wish I could let go of a lot of my like little little personal frustrations when it comes to little gameplay bits here and there. But I'm I am very happy that you like uh Deep Jungle. And as you know, I know you as someone who appreciates Tarzan a lot as well. Same thing with me. Yes. Tarzan is it's tied in first place with another movie as my favorite uh, Disney movie. So it's like for me, I think I was more so looking at it with like I got high standards. <laughs> you know, maybe not as high standards as you know as a little kid as maybe they are now but boy oh boy like looking at it now going to these worlds and and checking out Tarzan again man i just i just want to see all these cutscenes all together all at once without all of the backtracking and all of the clunky vine swinging and stuff like that and all the weird platforming yeah i mean i'm happy that you like it <laughs> i think that's where like a different perspective really comes in pretty good 
too. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you've uh, you've replayed through it, but like, you know, in a way, I'm expecting a lot from this game, but at the same time, too, I'm also knowing the limitations of when this game came out. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. It's not going to be like Spider-Man PS4 of yeah, right. web swinging kind of kind of vine swinging. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just not going to look that way. So, like, I take it for what it is, and I go, I do appreciate what was made here you know what i mean like i appreciate how it was made and what it is and like you said tarzan is like one of my favorite you know disney movies and Mm -hmm. i love phil collins like to death because of uh the work he's done with disney and it's just like i have a hard time hating this world i really do yeah that's good i'm i'm happy that you can you could be so happy about it that's good (laughs) um so anyways we leave deep jungle we get in the gummy ship and they're like man what do we do with these gummy pieces you know we've got all these gummy pieces now and so they decide all right let's head back to traverse town So, we're back in Traverse Town. And yes, we are. Now we have the Red Trinity. And yes. now we can use all those sweet little Red Trinity secrets and find, you know, hidden treasure chests and things like that. Yeah, I guess, you know, obviously there's that first area. I think whenever I first appeared in Traverse Town, the first Red Trinity that I went to was, you know, where Sora initially wakes up whenever he first arrives there. Because that's that's the first thing i saw like sort of wakes up and then you just see like this little red thing on the wall behind him and you go up to it and you can't do anything at all and then later on you learn about trinities and then you're like oh i think i saw the same design earlier and now you have the red trinity and i'm like oh i gotta go back and try that red trinity and um sorry yeah no i was saying it's kind of funny because like our logic is so different like i actually i'm the kind of person that wants to finish out like a main objective so that Um, i don't i can then explore afterwards you know what i mean like i want to do the main thing and then explore afterwards so like actually i haven't done any of the trinity stuff because i wanted to finish whatever was needed there so then i could buy items explore and not feel like hey i have to get this thing done you know what i mean that's like there i want to be able to explore with like impunity i think is the right word Okay. okay. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the yeah. wrong word, honestly. Uh, no, nah, I get what you're saying. And with without impunity. Okay, sure. I gotta look up <laughs> what that word means. I don't I think I said it without knowing what it actually means. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Anyways. Uh, that's terrible. So yeah, so the first thing that you go and you do, you know, in order to follow the story the story, I guess. Um you go check out the Red Trinity that is in the sewers. And then you can kind of swim to this little area where Leon and Aerith are standing there. And they tell Sora that there's this Ansem report that reveals that the keyholes to worlds, um, they, they essentially lead to the heart of the world. And in order to keep the Heartless from taking over the world, only Sora can lock those keyholes with the Keyblade, sealing off the path. Uh, for the heartless to get there, and so then Aerith says, 
Well, it's. I think they do say only Sora, but it's it's more so just since Sora has the Keyblade, uh, it's like only the Keyblade can do that. Uh, sorry, we're gonna go on another tangent, but like, so do they not know that Mickey potentially has one? Because I've seen art. Obviously, Mickey has. Oh, okay. one. I don't know if it's in this first game. I don't know if it's in this first game, but like, do they not know like about Mickey and like that he has one, or are they just are they just know that there's one and only one Keyblade? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's some things. Just like I said, man, this is just kind of one of those things where they had an idea of where they wanted to take like tiny little plot details like these but then they elaborate things in later games and even that yeah i don't really want to say anything else it's just like let's just that's fair i just i just really wanted to ask yeah let's just assume right now that you know nobody even the player like uh, I know you've seen artwork and stuff, but at this moment in time, all we can really assume is that Sora is the one with the Keyblade, right? He is Neo. He's Neo. So, Aerith says uh, that they need to go find Sid for the gummy pieces. Like, maybe Sid knows what to do with these. And then Leon gives Sora a stone, or like a little gem, called Earthshine. And... You run over there to the item shop, you talk to Sid, and he'll help you out so long as you deliver a book to the old man in the third district. And then we hear, like, the gizmo shop bell ring. You go, you enter the old house. This is that door that I was telling you about in the last episode where it's got oh, the, the big fire door. flame on the door. Yeah, and this yes. is, even Sid mentions it. He's like, yeah, they got, he's got this flame on the door. You know, go, go check it out. You go back there, and you see this very interesting walkway with, like, these floating stones that kind of for some reason like they just had to make some little platforming challenge to get you over there to the to the house you enter the house and Sora sees Kyrie And she starts telling him how, oh, this place, I like this place. It reminds me of, you know, our fond memories drawing, uh, like, on the walls in that secret place on the island. And in the background of this scene, uh, Kyrie's theme song is playing in the background. Uh, I, I don't know if there's an official name to it. I'm sure there is. But it's Kyrie's theme song. And then Goofy kind of snaps Sora out of it. And he's like, yeah, he's just like, hey, Sora. Or, you know, because Sora's just kind of looking off into the distance from their perspective. But I love this scene a lot. Uh, I think it conveys, a like, a lot heavier, like, feelings on Sora's side of things than we have seen so far in these other Disney worlds, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. A lot of heavy, um, unresolved emotional stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, stuff he's put to the side because he hasn't really had an opportunity nor a chance to really you know come to terms with anything yeah because he's you know he's in traverse town at the start and he hallucinates and he sees Kyrie at some point and then he's over in deep jungle and he sees Kyrie again and he's just like why am i seeing Kyrie?" you know and now he's just kind of like alone in this room 
and we're not just seeing Kyrie, but we're like hearing from her and it's not like with Yuffie whenever he, he's hearing Yuffie talk and just sees her as Kyrie. Now we are like Sora just walks into this place and he just can kind of see this projection of Kyrie in his mind and it's almost sad. Like, it's it, it is a little sad and he's just like Kyrie like like I like I I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says something along the lines of like I've been looking for you, like I can't believe you're here or something. And then Goofy's like Sora, and then <laughs> it would have been great if Kyrie was just like, oh, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it uh, would have been fantastic. <laughs> and then right as he snaps out of it, uh, Merlin shows up. And, Merlin, yeah, and he basically he drops some knowledge, like he's. Like, he definitely knows more than we do. Like, he's, you know, talking about how the king had requested for his help. Um, and then he kind of spruces up the place a little bit. He, he, you know, puts all of his shit everywhere. It's a mess. And then he offers Sora, you know, some some magic training. He's like, you know, just talk to me whenever you want, man. Like, we'll train you in some magic. And then also, Fairy Godmother is here. Which I can only assume Fairy Godmother has just been chilling in Merlin's bag. So that's I, weird. I like to think, too, that she is just as strong, if not, <laughs> you know, yeah. like maybe a little stronger than Merlin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird to think, like, Merlin, this great wizard, and then she just bibbity boppy boos your ass <laughs> into fucking oblivion. So, so Sora, you know, now that we're here, we see Merlin, we deliver the book to him. And uh, he says that the book holds a great secret that the missing pages will unlock. Um, did you get a chance to look at this book or no? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, I didn't really want to cover it much in this episode anyways. I kind of want to save it for a whole other episode. Okay, good. Yeah, because I, I knew it was a lot and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to go over it. I go, I don't want to deep dive into this unless I know we're going to do this. Okay. Do you know what it is? Uh, not really. Okay, no. cool. If you want to sprinkle, no, a little no, no. Bit of I don't. I don't want to say anything. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, that works. Yeah, he he says, you know, the secrets will be uncovered. You know, after we find these missing pages or whatever, and that's all he says to us. Um, then we go and we can talk to the fairy godmother, and she says that the stone or the gem or whatever that Leon gave to Sora is the spirit of someone who has van who had never vanished with their world after their home was destroyed destroyed by the heartless and then she transforms this stone into the summon spell of simba and simba. i don't know if you got a chance to go into the training room or anything or summon simba uh i actually didn't summon simba i was just like unlimited like um because I didn't get to really use, like, Blizzard too much. So, like, I could just went into the training and kind of just went wild. Because he was like, okay. it doesn't deplete. I was like, dope. I'm going to become an AC-130. Yeah. Watch this shit. <laughs> yeah. So you can also, anytime that you get a summon, uh, which is also a Final Fantasy concept, um, you could, in the Final Fantasy games, you could collect summons uh, where they cost a certain amount of magic points and then they do big time damage to the enemies on the field and stuff. And that's kind of what these summons are. And this summon is Simba. And I, yeah, I definitely recommend if you get some time, you know, either on the actual battlefield or in the training room or whatever. Yeah. Give him a, give him a look-see-poo. And, 
yeah, so right after that, she says that whenever their world is restored, then they will return home. So she kind of gives us a little bit of lore of like kind of how destroyed worlds are and how, you know, residents on those worlds, sort of what happens to some of them and, you know, what happens whenever their world is restored. And so whenever, uh, whenever Sora arrives back into the third district, he's kind of like, he's swarmed by Heartless, but then, ya boy, Riku shows up and he kills all of them. Yes, I said it right from the beginning. Riku is a hell angel and should not be trusted. (laughs) Okay, okay. So Riku says that he's also been looking for Sora and Kairi as well. And kind of while Riku is talking at some point, uh, there's like this heartless shadow that, you know, kind of comes up from the ground behind Riku. And... Riku's just kind of talking nonchalantly, kind of looking away, and then, boom, we get this super badass, like, superhero <clears throat> superhero shot of, like, Sora just with his arm, like, blades, blade stance yeah. or whatever, you know? He's got his arm Dope in the air holding fuck. the keyblade. He just fucking wiped out the Heartless in one hit. He's like, and, he's like, who has to look after who? He's like, yeah. or whatever he says. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, fuck you. It's like, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, fucking Donald and Goofy are Sora's biggest hype men. And they're like, Sora's the Keyblade Master. And Riku's just like, the way he feels at night. Yeah. (laughs) Riku's just like, who are these guys? And, you know, they're talking about the Keyblade and stuff. And Riku's like, oh, the Keyblade's so cool, Riku. And then Riku's like, oh, you mean this Keyblade? And, uh... And he just has Sora's Keyblade. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. Uh, like, I actually gave a chuckle because he's like, oh, you mean this key? Like, yeah, I don't know where the gag or what the gag is called, but like when he turns around and it's just someone else has it in their hand and he's just like, oh, what's this thing? It's just yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, like this whole like sleight of hand kind of trick or whatever. Um, but yeah, if you remember back whenever Sora is talking to Leon in the hotel room leon's like holding up the keyblade and then it just dissolves like fades out of his hand and appears back in sora's hand because you know like that's sora's keyblade and then now riku has this keyblade and it doesn't just go right back to sora he like it takes until riku throws it back over to him and he's like here catch and so now it's kind of this like what the hell is that supposed to mean? You know, like, I don't know if you had any other deeper thoughts, just kind of thinking about that. Uh, a few, I, I first thought too. um, like, you know, Riku like has a, well, not Riku has a keyblade, but before like, uh, when, uh, Leon had the keyblade and it kind of disappeared out of his hand. Like you said, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is that because Sora didn't want him to have it? Or, like, if Sora said, hey, here, hold on to this. Like, could someone use it if Sora said it was okay? You know what I mean? Does that make sense, yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no. Like, um, like here, hold on to this. And then it just doesn't, you know. Yeah, it disappear. Appear. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if that's explicitly explained later on in the series. But oh, it's, okay. also, it's also one of those things where I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think a situation like that has ever arised. Um. So yeah. for right now, just kind of I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then the whole Riku theory. thing, and then the yeah. whole Riku thing. It was just like 
it seemed off to me right from the get-go. Like, as soon as he appeared, I was like, this, this is not right. I go, I don't care what you say to me. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. And um, him throwing, like, the Keyblade back, like, I felt like he knew, like, he knew something was up. Yeah, almost he like something... he kind of knows what the Keyblade is to some degree. It What it is or what it does to people that have what or people that are that are like him you know what i mean sure like i don't think he knew what it could do in general like as a weapon but what it could do to him like specifically like i thought that like he like like even touching it like in a way could like kind of send like a chill down your spine you know what i mean like it could it could be like whoa this is some serious shit and then sora also sora also even though it seemed like very childish uh, not childish, but like kind of like Riku still the older brother, like took his sword without even looking. Yeah, it showed that Sora is not a joke. It's not something to play with when he has this Keyblade in his hand. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and even that kind of was like, like maybe even like a oh fuck moment for Riku. Like, oh shit, he could really turn up. Like, he could hurt me with this with this thing if if I'm not careful. Yeah. Okay, yeah, very good theories, man. I like your thoughts there. I, yeah, I, <laughs> dude, I, like I told you, I, like you, I went so deep. I have like three pages of theories, <laughs> dog. Uh, I'm excited to hear, man. So, um, yeah, so Riku takes Sora's Keyblade from him, and then after this whole little situation, uh, Sora and Donald kind of argue for a little bit about bringing Riku along. Uh, just like right in front of him, you know, Sora's like, "Yeah, come with us," and Donald's like, "No, he can't come." And then during all that, Goofy notices, oh, shit, Riku's just gone. And so they're like, huh, all right, well, maybe he went to go find Kairi, you know? <laughs> and uh, then, you know, whenever we go and get that book from Sid, he he says, hey, whenever you go deliver it, I'm going to be at that house in the third district. You know, come chat with me after you deliver the book. So you go up there, you talk to them, and the whole Final Fantasy gang, they're just chilling there inside that third district house. Um, and everyone explains that Maleficent, one, she's, they're all pretty sure that she's there in Traverse Town. But also, they say that she has been controlling the Heartless for years and is the reason that their world had, was destroyed nine years prior to, you know, this current time. And yeah. Leon then explains even further that their world... Uh, or sorry, uh, the ruler of their world was this wise man named Ansem. And Sid says that the secret to eradicating the Heartless is probably explained in his reports because he studied the Heartless extensively. This is stuff that we learned earlier from like Aerith and Yuffie and stuff. And right outside the window, we see Maleficent like really manipulating uh, Riku into thinking and believing that Sora doesn't care about him. Uh, he's got new friends, you know. You're just a human. He's got cartoons now, you know. And he's basically saying, like, yeah, you've been replaced by Donald and Goofy. You've been replaced with Disney. Like, he doesn't need you and Kyrie anymore. What do you think about all that? I thought it was absolute bullshit because, like, the whole time, like, Sora was, like, so excited and, like, wanted him to be a part of the group. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it never was a point where Sora was just like, 
oh hey Riku. Anyway, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it it didn't seem like he was ever pushing him away, and that's why I was just like, like Maleficent was throwing up some weak sauce, if that makes sense. Kind like, of it, it just. Yeah, it just didn't seem like, you know, it was like, I'm going to throw this at the wall and hope it sticks, but, like, you know, if it doesn't, oh well. Yeah, I think, because um, in that little conversation that Riku has with Sora, Donald, and Goofy, I think you can kind of tell Riku is kind of feeling like, who are these guys? You know, like, you've just been traveling to worlds with these guys, and you can, and then he just disappears. And so, for me, in my first, like, playthrough, I could sort of sense that there was a little bit of jealousy there. And then even if that's like your best friend, even if you like that person, if your current mood of someone is that they're kind of a jerk and then someone comes up to you and then it's just like affirming like, yeah, they're a jerk, you're probably going to lean more into that side of like, man, what a jerk, you know? Like I I agree with you in that her argument is a bit weak sauce because of just how clearly good-hearted and good-natured Sora is. Um, but I can also yeah. be like, you know, Riku is definitely going, I feel like Riku's, even though he's like 15 or, or whatever in this game, it almost feels like he's kind of in this pu- like prepubescent stage where he's really just trying to the rebellious out. side or just like, he's just trying to understand things. Like he's been wanting to leave. Like he's been wanting to leave this Island for such a long time. And yeah, now but like he wants to leave, but then, you know, and get from the eyes of his parents, like realistically, like think about it. Like that's what he wants. He wants to be free. Yeah. He, wants, he just wants to go and explore and he wants to, but not then be immediately trapped. he gets underneath Maleficent. That's exactly what he, that's a, that's a parent. You know what I mean? Like he literally left one place to just be under. Now, do I think he had necessarily a choice? No, but he didn't fight it either. He just kind of listened was like, yeah, that seems fine. I, I would argue that in the same way that a lot of people fall under manipulation, especially from adults, is whenever they almost pro- – like they pretty much promise you um, that they are going to give you the thing that which you desire. And I think, and I think we can kind of gain from this little conversation that Maleficent has with him is like she almost seems to be promising his freedom that he can go and do the things, you know, that he wants to go do. But in doing all of this stuff, she's kind of become this, like, mentor to him in some way. And so I don't think he necessarily wants, you know, a a parent figure in his life, per se. I think he wants to escape that. But it seems to me that from Riku's perspective, the only person who is actively giving him that freedom is controlling the same power that took him from his world. You know, it got him free in the first place. It was the darkness, you know, Maleficent is controlling these heartless and they, you know, they swarmed the Island. The Island was destroyed and now Riku is free. And who was it who like, like met up with him like whenever he woke up in that weird place with the floating ice and the waterfall and stuff it was maleficent she was over there you know and i think that scene too that's why i say that was a final mix scene that was put in the game to give context to like all this other stuff that's kind of why i think over time and playing the final mix version i'm seeing stuff more now is like man riku is very clearly a troubled child who is stuck in trying to find his freedom but is 
surrounded by manipulation and definitely in this very first video game you know i mean at the same time too what a perfect person like i was thinking about this too like another not really a theory it's more of just like an observation just Mm -hmm. the fact that they chose Maleficent as like the kind of head leader. Like there was not a better villain to choose for that because she is very smart. She's very cunning. She is very manipulative. Sure. Like yeah. if you look at the other people in there, Hades is not really like that. Jafar is not like cannot. You know, Jafar is manipulative, but he's not clever. He gets caught in his own stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, Oogie Boogie. Like he's just he's just <laughs> funny. He's just a funny guy. <laughs> he just like, sings and dances. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he doesn't really have an exterior motive besides of the things he wants. Like, Maleficent is just so evil to a good point. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah, so she's evil. A good it's like, she's definitely yeah, good. Yeah. It's a, she's a great villain. We talked about this earlier. She's just a fantastic kind of villain to, you know, in general. But, like, I could see if it was anybody else, I'd be like, wow, that's, like, kind of a stretch. But Maleficent, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, no, she's, <laughs> like... She's that devious to really yeah. uh, turn the tables on someone. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of bringing it back in. We we have this scene outside this window. Maleficent's manipulating Riku into, you know, furthering this position of Sora doesn't really care about you. He's replaced you with these other cartoons. And we go back inside the apartment or like the little house or whatever. And Sis, Sid says, hey, I fixed up the gummy ship with a new warp feature. So now, if you hop into the uh, U.S. tugboat, you can go to these other worlds that you've already been to via just warping there. You don't have to fly to to worlds that you've already been to anymore, which is real nice. Yes, it is. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. So (laughs) Aerith, uh, Sid, and Yuffie implore Sora to ring the bell on top of the gizmo shop three times. And they're talking about some sort of like legend or superstition or whatever about the tower. Uh, or the the clock tower, or the bell tower, or whatever. And after ringing this bell three times, you know, then we get those, uh, we get that rotating fountain thing, and we get the keyhole to Traverse Town revealed to us. But we can't really get there because guard armor kind of comes back, or maybe it's a it's a new one, maybe comes back and blocks our path. And this fight has two phases to it how did you feel about this particular battle with guard armor especially compared to the last one do you want to know my exact notes yes this motherfucker is a fucking um god what was it the power ranger things the megazord i said literally he megazorded on me he megazorded. i go he, yeah like you know like like they're getting beat or whatever and then all of a sudden they add an extra part and like you know the face drops or something like that and it's just yeah. like they're more powerful i'm like, like the God legs damn. become the arms the arms become the legs and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah it's like he just megazorded on me i go mm-hmm. i go oh that's respect right there <laughs> so right after this little battle a few things happen sora one he learns the spell arrow which is that the power of the wind spell and uh, that, like I had mentioned at the beginning in Olympus, you know, just talking about the magic and stuff, that's like an offensive and defensive spell. So really cool spell to learn. And then he also locks the keyhole to Traverse Town. And then Sid uses up that last little gummy piece that you obtain to further travel to new worlds. And this is where we are going to stop for this evening. 
Namaste. Namaste. Yeah, yeah th- this was um, a lot. This was a lot. You know, we finally yeah. are like jumping. We're jumping into all the Disney stuff. You know, um, like Disney stuff was happening in the beginning. We saw Disney Castle. We got the letter from Mickey. We see you know Donald and Goofy and all that shit. But now we're actually going to Disney Worlds, and we are going full like headstrong into Wonderland and Olympus Coliseum and Deep Jungle, and there will be many more after this. What are you thinking so far, man? I'm enjoying the game, and I can't wait. Like I'm like before, it was a little hard. You know, I think it, with any new game, it's a little hard to jump back into it the second time. Yeah, you know, because you don't know much. But now, after this, and after getting to at the moment my favorite world, you know, it's like okay, now it's like. I'm, I want to see what tops that. I want to see what comes next. I want to see, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. obviously that story, but it's just like, I'm so excited to to dive deeper into it. And the fact that I'm also starting to build theories now, it's mm-hmm. like, I want to know more. I want to know more about, like, how can I build more theories around this? And am I going to be right about these theories to other people? Like, obviously, this game came out a long time ago. Like, yeah. am I the only person that thought of this? Or is this, like... Did I pick up on what everybody else did? Like, like sure. I feel like I'm part of the crowd. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to keep on going with you, man. Uh, this is it. There are some better parts. There are some worse parts. You know, this is <laughs> this game is a roller coaster for sure. I'm excited to see where we uh, where we are in the, in this next episode. Um, I'm thinking. I was looking earlier at just where I think we should try to end the next episode and you know what i think i'm going to say this this is a this is a bit of a spoiler at least as far as like the unveiling of a world Um, okay but i'm going to say if you are playing along with us in the next episode we are going to stop once you finish uh neverland I get to see Peter Pan and his, who's actually the villain, <laughs> and Captain Hook is actually the hero. We'll see. We, we'll see. <laughs> that's not even. That's not even a theory. That's just fact. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. I <laughs> know. Um, but yeah, next episode uh, we are playing. You know, now we now we've got the gummy ship. We can go further than deep jungle, and. Yeah, we are going to stop next time after we beat Neverland. And I'm just going to say, this is five Disney worlds. Uh, Woo! That's a lot. It is. It is. And there's gonna there's there's a lot to unpack in some of them, a lot less to unpack in some of them. I, like I I tried, t- I tried my best, guys. I tried not to go so overboard in this episode. But I know some of you guys really like these longer episodes, and, and we like recording them. You know, it's just a fun conversation, good discussion. Um, so yeah, I uh, maybe you can hear in our voices now. It's almost midnight for us, and we usually <laughs> we usually are up and ready to start our jobs at like five a.m. every morning. So, <laughs> uh, dude, it's just today alone. I'm so tired. Yeah, this was a this was a rough day. I I thank you guys for you know. <laughs> I sorry for the sniffles too. If you oh, hear them, <laughs> I, I'll yeah. do my best to cut out all the sneezes and stuff. But anyways. <laughs> um, 
this episode it just may not go, end up going up tomorrow on saturday um just because you know it is a longer episode there are some things to cut up and some little things and i've got a pretty busy day tomorrow so this episode may end up just coming out either on sunday or on monday and then i'm actually going to head i'm going to go ahead and just say because there is some more worlds to do we got five other worlds to go do uh i'm going to just say probably don't expect the next episode to come out next saturday it might be the week after that um but like i said to follow me at overleveled cast on twitter and i will do my best to make sure that i am keeping everyone updated i know that this is a very important series for a lot of you guys out there so uh, i'm really excited to be doing it i'm happy to be editing it even you know all of the long and (laughs) you know technical difficulties and all you know uh it's all a fun process this is something that i really love doing so Thank you, everyone. Uh, Dash, do you have anything that you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, yeah, I actually found out how to log back into my Twitter, and I'm actually going to try to give updates as I as I finish. So it's mm. Dash underscore Turner 81 okay. on Twitter. Um, I'll leave the gonna, link to that in the description as well. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to give updates about like, you know, not necessarily some spoilers, but like you know how I'm progressing and how I feel, and you know maybe just like a fuck cloud tweet kind there of thing. There you go. <laughs> That's gonna do it, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of the Dark Road to Kingdom Hearts Four. Yeah, if you are playing along with us, play up until the point where you beat the world of Neverland. Uh, thank you, everyone. We will catch y'all in the next one. Bye bye.